The presence of God is about a person, and his name is? Jesus. You guys got it, man. You're awake, 11 a.m. Let's go. It's about a person, and his name is Jesus. And what makes the presence of God and our participation in it fun is the fact that we see the person and we orient our posture. Is that we say, whoa, God is here. He has given me the privilege. He's given me the opportunity to see him. He has become transparent in his being. He has become vulnerable in his nature. And he's given me a human being, a created being, one that's low, one that's sinful, one that's disgusting by comparison to his righteousness, the privilege of being in his presence. And I see him as he is. Therefore, I worship and I entertain and I engage and I host the presence of God. God is here. Surely God is here, right? That's what we're talking about when we say presence. We're not talking about coming in here and making it intimate. You know what I'm saying? We're not on a date with God, right? We're in covenant with God. And, you know, I know it's easy as a church to try and manipulate those things and make sure the music's just right. Make sure the lighting's just right. Make sure it's never too loud. Make sure it's never too soft. Make sure we arrange a date, you know. But, but the truth is the presence of God is not about any of those things. The presence of God is the presence of a person whose name is Jesus. And this is the thing. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. If you're in trouble this morning, he says, I am, I am with you. I'm an ever-present help in time of trouble. God is with you. Where two or three gather together in my, my name, behold, I am there in the midst of them. My presence is present. That, that's a good note right there, right? My, <laughs> his presence is present. It's, it's not just something that you can remember and testify about. It's not just something that hopefully one day you'll run into, but his presence is here. God is here right now. You guys with me? This I, I feel like I'm a little bit more fired up than y'all are. I can't tell yet. I'm gauging it. It could, it could be my allergies. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited about the fact that, you know, we don't have to beg Jesus to show up, but he's here, right? That I don't have to live off yesterday's leftovers, but that he's here, right? And that, you know, and, that, and that's the thing, and I've mentioned this before, but even about worship, you know, so, so many people ask, well, how was the worship at that church? But that's the wrong question. The question is, how was your worship? Right? It's not how was the worship. How was your worship? Because worship is not about a presentation. Worship is about the posture of the worshiper. So are you in relationship with God or aren't you? Or do you need me to light the candles and make sure the iPod's at the right volume and then make sure I get you the right meal and you get the good coffee and make sure you get the right... Man, if serving macaroons and... Is that how you said that? And uh, lattes would bring us more into the present. I promise we'd have them. We'd have them here next week. Guaranteed just for you. But here's the good news. If you, if you got that, Jesus is there. And if you don't have any of that, Jesus will still show up. If you dress nice today, hey, Jesus is here for you. If you're, if you're in your last pair of underwear because you haven't done laundry in a few weeks, Jesus is here for you too. 
right? Because none of these things are prerequisites to experiencing the presence. It is simply the posture that we look at and we say, uh, emotions aside, how I feel, Jesus is bigger. You know, man, what I'm afraid of, Jesus is bigger. Man, what I'm struggling with, Jesus is bigger. Man, my circumstance, Jesus is bigger. And so we experience the presence. And this is our number one value here because where God is not, we don't want to be. We just want to be right where God is. And if that looks different or is a little bit weird or, or strange for some of us, we trust that God is so good, he'll never lead us in a wrong way. So we just trust him, the presence. Amen? Amen. So I've been thinking about this. I'm like, okay, well, God, if I'm going to preach a sermon series on the presence, you know, we have all this stuff written down about these different values of the presence and everything like that. And we're going to share those with you over the next month. So, hey, look, I want you to come every Sunday for a month. I know it's a novel idea. I know it sounds strange in our culture today, and it does. I understand that. But, like, come every Sunday for a month, and, like, let's grow together in, like, what's most important. Everybody who comes all the time are like, yeah, come on, let's do this. Let's go. You know, and I, <laughs> right? Hey, it's, it's not as hard as you think it is. There's a, on your iPhone, there's this feature. It's called an alarm clock. And <laughs> just kidding. I'm, is it okay if I mess with you guys? Yeah. It, it's got a point. But I was praying about it. I said, God, we're going to talk about the presence. It's amazing. And, and I, I said, well, how can I preach in the midst of a segue of us talking about, we're going to talk about the presence next week. What do you want me to talk about this week? And I felt like he said, you know, you can't talk about the presence before you talk about the person. Yeah. It's because the, the person is what makes the presence. And if you miss the person, well, man, you miss the point. And that's what I want to preach to you guys today is don't just get the point, get the person. Don't just get the point, get the person. If you're with it, say amen. amen. <laughs> All right. So this story, right, that we read from the scriptures, man, it's so fascinating. It's such a good story, man. I love this story. Because what you have here is you have Jesus who is you know, doing ministry, he's finishing up his day, you know, he's undoubtedly tired, he's done a lot, he's poured out, but then he's going and he's praying alone. That's what the scriptures say, is that he was praying alone. But then right after that, it says, the disciples were with him. And if you read that, that sentence in context, you understand it doesn't really make that much sense, does it? Because what you have here is it says that Jesus was praying alone, and then in the same sentence, before there's a period, it says, the disciples were with him. So I find it strange that they would say he was alone if the disciples were there. Anybody else? You're like, what? He's praying alone? Well, here's the thing I've recognized is that praying alone, Jesus praying alone, and yet allowing the disciples the opportunity to be in proximity to his prayers is Jesus inviting them into a deeper relationship. Because I don't know about you guys, but I don't always enjoy praying in front of other people. Now, I'm not talking about praying up here on the mic in front of church and all that stuff. I'm not talking about praying over my meal, you know, after this from Chipotle. I'm talking about, like, when I pray intimate, real, honest, authentic prayers, sometimes I don't like other people in the room. <laughs> you got, are you, not you guys. Oh, I forgot. My bad. Yeah, you got you're super holy. No, but you, you guys get what I'm saying, right? Like, I'm talking about when you're getting honest with God. 
It, I thought that when I got married, I was going to be so good at this. I was like, man, you know, we're married now. I'm going to walk around in my boxers, and I'm going to be honest with God, and I'm going to worship in the kitchen when I'm making breakfast. And, I'm, and surprisingly, very often, I have to tell my wife, sweetheart, I got to go on a prayer walk. I need to have an honest conversation with God. And I, I love you, but I don't want you around. Anybody else in here? Right? I love you, friends and family, but I do not want you around because I'm about to do some business with God. I'm about to have an honest, vulnerable, authentic conversation. I'm going to tell him about my stuff. I'm going to tell him about what's going on in my life. I'm going to tell him about walking around and ministry to people and how I'm tired of doing it. You don't think Jesus ever said anything like that to God? Right? Exactly. He said, he said, hey, look, I'm going to go pray alone, but I'm going to allow you guys the privilege of being in proximity to my prayer life. Because here's the thing. I'm not just teaching you how to pray. I'm inviting you into deeper relationship. I'm not just discipling you in what to think. I'm actually inviting you into a real intimate moment that I'm about to have with the Father. So sometimes, man, we get in our head that discipleship is all about teaching people the rules. But whenever Jesus discipled, he simply invited people to observe his relationship. He said, hey, watch how I do life with God. He didn't take a time out and do a prayer walk every time he had to have a moment with the Father. He said, hey, disciples, you're allowed to see it. I want you to see how I do relationship with my God. I want you guys to see how I interact. I want you to see how I have an honest conversation with my God. I want you to see that. I want you to experience that. And then, you know, once he's, once he's done with, his, with his, his prayer time, his private prayers, which was, you know, obviously public, you know, he gets up from that place and, you know, maybe he was knelt down. You know, maybe he spent some time in prayer. Maybe he prayed for a while. Maybe it was just short prayer. You know, maybe it was an exhaustive prayer. You know, maybe it was a tender prayer. Maybe, maybe he was having a moment with the Father. Maybe he had some tears coming down his face. Maybe he was wiping some sweat from his brow, and then he got up from that place where he had just had intimacy with the Father. He had just been vulnerable. He'd had an honest conversation with his dad, and then he comes over to his disciples, which are very close, and he says, hey, guys. He said, I want to I talk to you. Who do the crowds say that I am? Now, now, watch and see what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is talking to a group of people who have close relationship with him, and he is asking them questions about people who do not have close relationship with him, right? There's this relational moment. There's this invitation into prayer, and from that relational moment, everybody say relational. relational. It's important. He talks to his friends relational, about people who don't have a relationship. And he says, hey, who do they say that I am? Who does the world, who do the crowds, who does the public at large say that Jesus is? See, all of humanity has to wrestle with this question, who is Jesus? And the crowds are still wrestling with this question today. Who is Jesus? The world is still wrestling with this question today. Who is Jesus? And who are they looking to for the answers? Who has the real answers? Who is Jesus? And so those that were in close relationship with him, talking to him about those that, 
did not yet have a relationship with him, said, here's who they say that you are. They say you're John the Baptist, a, a religious contemporary. They, they say that you are Elijah, a, a, a person of old, or one of the prophets that is, that is gone in the past. That, that's who they say that you are. And that's who the world is still saying that Jesus is today. They are looking and they are saying, well, Jesus is a historical figure. Right, because that's what they responded with. Well, they think you're a historical figure. They think you're one of the prophets of old. Or they're saying, oh, well, well Jesus is a religious figure, right? Like he's like John the Baptist or, or he's a prophet or, or he's like Elijah. He must be a religious figure, right? The world is still wrestling with this question. And here's the deal. The church, the friends of God, those who are in relationship with God have been given the answer to the biggest question that humanity has which is, who is Jesus? Because we're all forced to wrestle with that question. All of humanity will always be forced to wrestle with that question. We live in 2018 AD after the death of this man, Jesus Christ, who has become a hinge of history that all of humanity forever will have to reflect back on and wrestle with the ideal of who is Jesus? So who has the answer? Is he a historical figure? Is he a religious figure? Who has the answer? Where do we go? Do we Wikipedia? Where do we go? Do we go to encyclopedias? Do we go to dictionaries? Do we go to blogs? Do we go to podcasts? Do we go to YouTube videos? Where do we go? Do we go to uni? Where do we go to get the answer to this question? And Jesus said, yeah, but who do you say that I am? The friends of Jesus, those in relationship with Jesus, those of you who, who became so close to me that you actually got to witness an honest moment that I was having with the Father. Who do you say that I am? Because your answer to this question has the potential to change the world, alter history, transform nations, bring thousands upon millions into salvation. Who do you say that I am? Those of you in relationship with me, not what the history books say, not what encyclopedias say, not what Wikipedia says, not what, you know, YouTube says. Like, who do you, those who are in relationship with me, say that I am? And then then what happens in Matthew, we read Luke. I like Luke's account a lot, but in Matthew, you look at Matthew and then, you know, Matthew says, uh, this is the way he records it. Peter, you have received a revelation and that is that I am the Christ and upon this rock, I'm going to plant my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now for us as Western thinkers, right? We're all, can we all acknowledge, unless you are from the Middle East, like we're all Western thinkers, right? And that's the way that we think about things. And so we automatically conclude that the planting of the church was on revelation, right? Was on the revelation that Jesus is Christ. But the planting of the church was not on revelation. The planting of the church was on relationship. The only reason that Peter could receive revelation about who Jesus was, was because of his relationship to Jesus himself. Revelation outside of relationship is either secondhand revelation or it's philosophy. It's philosophy, it's, it's things that we've picked up or read about or heard from other people that we believe to be true because somebody credible told us, but that revelation is not gonna change the world. If it was, the world would already be changed. Nashville would already be turned upside down because we preach a lot of truth in our city, but we don't necessarily have a lot of relationships in our city. 
Because they'll let, you know, you, you, are you guys with me? So you, you meet somebody and, and they may give you a, 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 a resume, you know, they may tell you everything that they're doing. They may give you a lot of insight, but what humanity is looking for is not more insight, but more connection. You guys believe this to be true? So it's, 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 it's a head scratcher, man. You come into church, you sit next to somebody, you don't get their name, but you go to barista parlor, you have a 10-minute conversation with a perfect stranger. It's, it's confusing because the church has lost a value for something that the world is recovering, which is it's only by relationship do we get anywhere, not by rules of engagement. And so when we take this moment and we look at Peter's revelation and we say this is the foundation of the church, then we argue over rules rather than enjoying relationship with the Jesus who came to set us free and save us. This relationship is what, what's going to save the world, not the rules that we hit the world over the head with. And if you don't believe me, then I, I just would say get on Facebook this week, right? Because there's so much division. There's so much debate. There's so many people arguing. And um, there was a guy I read this week, and I thought it was such an incredible quote. Uh, his name is John Baker Batzel, and he said, Why are Christians the one who like to hover around the tree of knowledge, baiting the serpent and battling each other, rather than being the people who like to play in the garden? Isn't that good? Let me read it again. Why are Christians the ones who like to hover around the tree of knowledge, baiting the serpent and battling each other rather than being the people who like to play in the garden? Right? It's so easy to exchange a life-giving, honest relationship with God in our generation for information about God. And that's why I want to ask you something, because this is something I've been recognizing. I've been reading and studying and praying is that I believe that in our current cultural moment, much of what we call relationship with God is really just revelation about God. Well, I don't need to pray. I know that God is good. Well, I didn't ask you about what you know about God. I'm asking you, do you have a connection with God? Well, I don't need to pray. He's a God full of grace. Well, I'm not asking you what you know about God. I'm simply asking, do you talk to him? Well, I, I don't need to go to church. I mean, I know that God is merciful. Well, I, I didn't ask you what you know about God. I'm, I'm asking, do you know God? Right? Because so much of the revelation that we claim to have could potentially be the substitute for our actual relationship that God wants to have with us. But if we adopt this kind of mindset, then we justify our faith on the basis of what we believe while not having any transformational power in the relationship that we've been given. And we don't change the world because all we have to offer is rules rather than a life-giving, soul-satisfying relationship that people want to have as well because they see how we live. Rather than that, we give them a book and say, live according to this, confusing it for a rule book when in fact it's a love letter. It's a book of relationships, not a book of rules. But, but when you read it from the wrong angle, that's the only thing that you can reduce it to, 
right? Because for us, like, we, we, we have been formed in a Western ideology, right? It's more of a Greek mindset. I, I talked to one of my friends this week. He's very smart, double masters, everything. I'm asking him. I said, dude, help me to dive into the Eastern understanding of the mystical spirituality of the rabbi named Jesus. Because I often find that, did that throw any of you guys for a weird loop? Sorry if I'm weird. But look, here's the thing. is that yoga has figured this out. Meditation has figured this out. Mindfulness has figured this out. Buddhism has figured this out. And the church, we're hanging on to these rules and posting on our Facebooks while we're right. But you know what I'm saying? But no one cares. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Because because what 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 they figured out is like, hey, look, it's uh, it's more than rules, man. Right? It's, a, it's about like life-giving connections. And the world needs something more biblical than right rules. Because that's not actually the most biblical way that you can present the scriptures. The world needs something more biblical than right rules. They need right relationships. I'm, I'm telling you guys, the world has this figured out, man. Like, I was, I was thinking about it this week. I was like, man, look at how relational our world has become. Look at how connected and com- community-oriented Nashville's becoming. I mean, when you look at how, like, the real estate trends, right, which obviously we're in the midst of a pretty large trend here in Nashville with real estate, right? Everybody's building houses and all that good stuff. But have you noticed that how the new communities are, are formed? Like, they're all relational, right? They actually bill them as such. They're like, hang out with your community, right? The grocery store is here. The coffee shop is there. You know, CVS is right here. You know, we don't, we don't believe in CVS. Stick it to the man. It's locally owned. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know, you guys, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's like, everything's relational. Everything's community or everything's connected. It's like, you can, you can do this and you can go there and you don't even need a car. Like you can just walk around and every house has a porch because we want to be able to say, Hey, to our neighbors, you know what I'm saying? You guys know, this is, is this right? Real estate has figured something out that the church has forgotten is that before humanity is looking for rules, they crave relationships. They want connection. They want life-giving connection. And when we make it about rules, it all of a sudden becomes unappealing. <laughs> so let me, let me read to you guys this quote, and I, I shared it with one of my friends because I, I, was, I was like, I was blown away by this quote. And... Uh, I think you guys are going to be blown away by it as well. I texted to one of my friends because I was, I was like, you got to hear this. So this guy named David Bruce, right? He's the founder of Hollywood Jesus. I looked it up. It's a blog. It's not really that entertaining, so don't worry about that. But no shade, David, no shade. But um, this is something he said. If there's a life-changing message to present, we'll make it boring and put it in a context you're not involved in. Dang. So, so it's, it's, it's no longer fascinating to me why young people leave the church in mass because if the only thing we have to offer is right rules to live by, who wants to be a part of that? <laughs> Honestly, right? 
Who wants to be a part of that? But if you want to present the gospel as a right relationship to enjoy, well, all of a sudden it becomes beautiful again. All of a sudden it becomes appealing. All of a sudden it becomes something to enjoy, not something to obey. And obedience is real, but that comes as a result of relationship, not getting relationship as a result of your obedience. Because God never said, well, you better obey all these things before you can talk to me. He said, hey, I want to talk to you, and I'll tell you about the things to do. I feel like I'm preaching better than you are saying amen. I don't know. I mean, I just, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it in there. (laughs) It's, it's, It's important to remember that this is what it's all about. This is what, this is what humanity craves. Now, I'm telling you guys, the business world is making, let me say it like this, is banking on this reality. I mean, they're literally making billions of dollars off of this. I drove past a bank the other day, in a few months ago, in Indiana, and it was like their tagline was, not just a bank, a place to belong. And I was like, what? You're a... <laughs> what does that mean? To come in there and hang out, you know, what's up? <laughs> yeah, I was confused. But, but what I recognize is, see, this is something that the world is beginning to understand. They're saying, hey, look, people don't want more rules, you know, and how to bank. They want connections. And it to contribute to, this is what they're looking for. I, I, I did a little Googling. And uh, I actually pulled up Starbucks. And I, I, I got that for you guys. But I want you to pull up the Starbucks slide and... Man, guys, if y'all go to Starbucks about page, this is what it says. It's, it's just a moment in time. So poetic. Just one hand <laughs> reaching over the counter to present a cup to another outstretched hand. This is like the... Right? This is the Sistine Chapel painting. You know what I'm saying? Which... You could adapt that, and you could put coffee in God's hand, and I'd still believe it was accurate. <laughs> Old Testament, he gave manna. 2018, good coffee. But it's a, you got to say that part with me? This is on Starbucks About page. We make sure everything we do honors. This is church language. How are how, they, how they stealing our, our stuff? Because <laughs> well, we forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it says that God never leaves himself without a witness. But, but some of us too religious to realize that, that, that sometimes <laughs> that it's culture bearing witness to a God they don't yet know who are prophesying to a humanity to say, this is what we need. Where are the prophets? Who are the people who are listening? Or you just got your head down reading the rules. Well, it says right here, this is the rule. Great, you won an argument, lost the soul. From our commitment to the highest quality coffee. There's a word, this whole, they make all their money off coffee. You, you, they didn't even talk about coffee to like 40 words in. 
to the way we engage with our customers and to do business responsibly, right? They're making billions, often understanding that more than humanity wants burnt espresso. They want... They want... I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. We've all had a latte or two that was a little extra flavorful. Right? They want connection. That's why they're coming back. Well, everybody knows your name. Right? Like, uh, some of y'all too young for that. That's cheers. Because they recognize that. Hey, before people want to drink, they want to know the bartender. The church is some of the worst bartenders. People are thirsty. Jesus said, come to me and drink. And we're like, you figured out. Go, go to YouTube. This guy preached this great message. I got real convicted. Well, did you change? No, but I was so convicted. Got, got all up in my feels. Felt, I felt convicted. But did you change? No. Still doing the same stuff. Still keeping the same relationships. Still spending the money on the same unhealthy things. Still in the same unhealthy relationships. Still responding to those DMs that I don't have any business responding to. And, oh, dang, it got too real, okay. <laughs> right? Well, God may want me to evangelize. He, he may also want you to protect your heart. <laughs> I might be able to share the gospel. <laughs> yeah, whoa, it got, it got real, right? Hey, I'm just going to leave it there for a minute. Let's look at another slide. This is uh, Chase Bank. So uh, check this out. Our mission is to create engaged, lifelong relationships. They didn't say anything about resources, right? Because here's what Chase Bank understands. They want that money, man. <laughs> they want your resources. But you're not going to do relationship with somebody that makes it about your resources. Are you listening, church? Yeah. Come here, give you money. You got a tithe. You should, but if it's about that, who wants that? What Chase understands is something that the church needs to recover, which is like, hey, dude, before it's about resources, it's about relationships. 
This is something that we have to be reminded of as the church because I recognize that today we all know that this is not about a religion. It's about a That's a great bumper sticker. It was awesome in 03. It's still awesome in 18. I love it the same all today. But I think we've got to go beyond the head knowledge that relationship is available and move into the intimacy that romance is possible. This is what you've been fashioned for. This is why Jesus came. Jesus came to have a real, honest relationship with you, which is why Peter's response is so pivotal. He understood that Jesus was God. But all the more he understood that there was an honest relationship that we could have with him. This is what it's all about. But how often have we forgotten this? Now, I know we're not going to admit it this morning, 11 a.m. I know that we wouldn't admit that. I know that we wouldn't because even as a pastor, I have a hard time admitting it. That, that it. that it truly is a relational connection that I have with God and not just a religious practice that I keep. Because how many times, how many weeks, how many hours have I spent studying for a sermon so that you would say it was good rather than simply sitting at the feet of Jesus and having a real conversation with him about what he wanted to say to his bride. I'm telling you, I have done that. I've experienced that. I know what that life is like, and it is so easy to read the Bible so that you can have something to tweet versus simply to have a relationship with the one you love and adore and are connected to. Well, I got to go to the scripture because there they are posting that political stuff again, and I got to prove them wrong. Let me get out my sword. Right? You remember whenever Jesus was being arrested, Peter got out his sword. He cut that dude's ear off. Peter's like, put the sword back, dude. We got Christians who are still using the sword to slice people's ears off. And you think you're defending Jesus, but the truth is Jesus is defending them from you. Now, I'm a Christian. I know the truth. I got all the right theology. Nobody wants to be like you, bro. (laughs) I know the truth. I I know the right things. I know the right rules. I'm justified in what I believe. Well, nobody cares about what you believe. People want to care about who you know. And not just so that you can name drop, but that you can have something to offer so that you can actually not just reflect God's truth, but respect, reflect God's love. And you can't do that outside of relationship. If I don't have relationship with somebody, I can't share their love with anybody else. The only thing I can do is talk about them from a resume standpoint to recite truth about their personality. But when I have a real relationship, I can truly share what they're really like. Do you guys get that? When I'm in relationship with somebody, I can go and I can tell stories about them and I can accurately reflect their nature. But when I don't actually know them, all I can do is recite facts about them. Right? And and when I recite facts about somebody, how many of you guys are like, oh, dude, I want to, can you introduce me? Well, you don't know them. 
I'm not expecting to get in to know them through you. Nobody's expecting to get to know Jesus through you when you go on a tirade this long on Facebook about all the nasty, yucky, disgusting people on either side of the aisle that you hate. People don't expect you to be able to introduce you. Right? That's fake news. It, it is. Honestly, I, I was thinking about it this week. I was like, oh, man, like revelation outside of relationship is just philosophy. But how often have we justified our relationship with God on the revelation that we have about God? Do, do you spend more time learning about God through books, podcasts, sermons, YouTube videos, and blogs than you do simply taking time to love him and let him love you. Because here's the thing, knowing a bunch of stuff about God is, is it, it can be good. Or it can be bad. Right? Scripture said knowledge puffs up. Nobody likes to know it all. Especially a religious one. Is, it, is this real today? They, they, what, what they want to know is do you know him because humanity is looking for him humanity is craving him they may not know that it's Jesus but what the question is is do you really know him have you listened to him pray have you heard the way that he, that he is before his father or, or, or are you just repeating the way that he responded to the Pharisees. You guys with me today? You getting this? And this is what we've been formed for. This is what we've been fashioned for, which is why the question comes to you. I'm going to end where I started. But who do you say that Jesus is? Is Jesus a revelation you had in youth group? Or is he a relationship that you enjoy? Is Jesus a revelation that you had while in ministry school? Or is Jesus a relationship that you have Sunday, today, this day, this day? Because here's what I can tell you. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. And if all that your walk has been is just simply learning more and more about him, could I invite you today? to just come back. Come back to what you really need and to what he really wants, which is simple relationship. Not making it about all the stuff that you know or all the stuff that you don't know, but just who you are and who he is. They say, hey, come listen to me pray. Come listen to me pray. Come listen to me pour out my heart before the Father. Hey, hey, come, come over here. I know who the crowds think I am, but what about you? Hey, church, it's not enough just to take Jesus and 
let them cling to our side. Jesus has got to cling to our insides. Jesus has got to be more than something we know and somebody we love. This is going to change the world. How you ask, how you answer this question has the potential to transform the world. When Jesus says, who do you say that I am? I want to encourage you guys. It's not a question. It's a quest. Hey, I don't know. Here's here's the thing. You don't know either. You know why? Because Jesus is going to spend all of eternity answering that question in relationship with you. And just when you think he can't get any better, he's going to spend another thousand years teaching you in relationship more about how much he loves you. And just when you think he couldn't love you anymore, he's going to spend another 10,000 years just, just loving you all the more in telling you the truth about who you really are. Not was, well, who does the world say? But now who does God say? So Lord, we give ourselves to relationship today, don't we, church? We give ourselves to relationship. God, forgive us for what we made it. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for what we've made it. God, we repent today. We repent today, God, and we ask for your blood. We ask for your grace. We ask for your mercy. We ask for your help. Holy Spirit, help us. We're hungry. We want to know. We want to go. We want to grow deeper, deeper in relationship with you, God. Help us not to forget our first love. 